That's right. Don't leave me dry. Don't leave me high and dry. Definitely not. It's like uh, the same as saying don't leave me hanging, right? It's exactly the same as don't leave me hanging, but with you some different words. Don't leave me hanging high and dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you silly. Like a t-shirt. Um, and we never like to leave anyone high and dry because this is American um, Brews and, and Tunes. tunes. Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song It's a good song, just as it should song American Brews and Tunes That's right, this is American Brews and Tunes What episode, episode number? Number 60 60? Wow, oh we're my getting gosh. there We're definitely over the hill Way over the hill. We're on our way down to the bottom of the hill. Yeah, we're just getting closer to death every day. Yeah. Who isn't, though? Um, a good question. It's a very good question. Someone who's already died? True. But that's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, my name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. And we are back to our regular format episode, which means I'm reviewing an album that Jesse has reviewed for me. Recommended. Just, I am re- <laughs> let me rephrase that for all of you. I am reviewing an album that Jesse has recommended for me. And I am reviewing an album that Steve has recommended for me. So for the past two weeks, I've been listening to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. Yeah. And for the past two weeks, I've been listening to Brainless God, an album by Direct Hit. Is there an exclamation point? There is. Direct hit. Yeah, so it's direct Direct hit, hit. (laughs) I guess. But these two albums couldn't be more different. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I guess they could be more different, but they're definitely. I mean, one one is like kind of alternative folk country pop rock, pop rock, and the other one is like hardcore punk. I wouldn't even say hardcore punk, but it's different. Yeah, that's for sure. Like hardcore melodic. Hardcore melodic punk? Pop punk. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, but we're excited to be doing the regular format because I feel like it's we've been all over the place for a little while. We have been. But we're going to continue to be all over the place because this podcast is about music and beer and all the great things and, that have to go with it. And you know those. what? Music and beer are all over the place. They are. That's right. So, so we're going to be all over the place. Obviously. We're going to keep coming back and reviewing music and beer. Yeah. Um, but before we review said albums, mm-hmm. should we uh, talk about our brews for this week? Yes. I feel like it's been a little while since we've had differing brews. It has been because we've been doing mostly one-off episodes. One-offs and recommendations. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're back to it where Jesse and I both have different beers that we are reviewing. Yeah. So th- what, what are you having this week? I got something uh, that's a joint session uh, from Lagunitas and Shorts Brew. I've never heard of Shorts Brew. Have you? Neither have I. Uh, but it's called Passion Grass. Hmm. West by Midwest. All brewed with lemongrass and passion fruit. And it is coming in at 4.6%. So not very not so very boozy. That would be the session part. And you said it, it's an IPA? Is no. It a session, uh, session what? A session... 
No, it just says a joint session with Schwartz Brew. So it's like a collaboration. Oh, okay. But it, clocking it, that it sounds like an, a session It's beer. an what? ale. Okay. So, so it's, it's an, an ale, so ale brewed with lemongrass and passion fruit. Curious. I'm, I'm very curious. The label's kind of cool, though. It's like, uh, it's like a weird kind of grass green with pink. Well, that would be the, the grass. Passion fruit and the lemongrass. Yeah. Am I right? Curious. Curious, Charlie. Curious. I'm having something very different. Yeah. Um, from Clown Shoes Beer. Uh, it's a, I haven't had too many beers by them, but the ones I've had have been pretty good. I've uh, I've had some of their their stuff in in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. They had uh, a little bit more distribution than they do down here. Because where are they from? They're from Boston. Boston, okay. Uh, they've only recently started getting some stuff down here in Nashville. Okay. Um, so I was excited to see it, so I bought one. I bought the Space Cake Double IPA. Nice. And according to um, Beer Advocate, it is their highest rated offering. Really? So I'm, I'm excited to give it a try. Nice. Um, here's what the uh, description says. And this description has a lot to do with the picture on the beer can. Okay, yeah. And if you actually look at the beer can, uh, it's this guy, and he looks like he's got a Superman costume, and he's got a space helmet, and he's flying through space, and there's lasers going all over the place and explosions. <laughs> and there's a dog with him, and the dog also has a space suit, and he's flying along. So it's it's kind of a weird picture. <laughs> For yeah, a, yeah. Or something called the space cake. Yeah, it's very um, strange, but... It's a double IPA at 9%, but here's the description. It says, Why are Miracle Mike and his dog Bionic being chased by mental, many evil laser beam shooting cupcakes <laughs> and two giant layer cake motherships? Oh my god! Because we're straight lunatic fools? Question mark? Well, <laughs> maybe... But with a few brain cells remain with a few brain cells remaining, we managed to craft Space Cake Double IPA, utilizing citrusy mosaic hops and an immaculate West Coast style malt backbone. Huh. Dude. Dot dot dot. Chill out. Enjoy some space cake. Nice. That so, sounds pretty good. I think that description definitely came straight from Clown Shoes. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to see how the uh, the West Coast West Coast backbone mm-hmm. comes through. I mean, it clocks in at 90 IBUs also. Oh, wow. Yeah. So okay. it should be pretty hoppy. Um, I'm excited because I feel like most of the IPAs we've had recently are, are New England style. So yeah. it's, it's nice to go back to what was the first big IPA kind of craze. The first IPA that, that we got into anyway. West Coasty style. West Coast style. Yeah. So let's say that we uh, open these beers and pour and them and take a look. Just as a side note, this beer is coming in at, at 54 IBUs. Oh, for that's a, more than for I a thought. pale ale. Yeah, curious. So that's quite a bit for a pale ale. So you said it's a pale ale now. Yeah, that's what Untapped said anyway. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm drinking from a can. Jesse's drinking from a bottle. So yeah. we got a couple different different means to open our. Uh, what would you call these? Ooh, I can our, already smell it. Our uh, containers, I guess. Uh, this is a bottle, and I used a bottle opener. <laughs> I this is a can, and I use my fingernail. <laughs> but I said we had we had a couple different ways to open our cans or our. our Containers, our respective containers, yeah. 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 So this one smells really interesting. Does it smell like grass? Kind of. Or like lemon? Lemon grass. What is lemon grass? Lemon grass is an, a herb. A herb? Is it like wheat grass? Can you not smell this right now? Not. Well, I'm sitting across the table from you. I can smell it like crazy. Let me get a whiff of yours real it's quick. So, it's so like weirdly herbal and floral. floral? It's got a uh, a dank smell is a way that I would describe the smell that I just smelled. Yeah. Get a smell. And what do you think? Definitely a dank smell. Yes. It smells illicit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yours is pretty light in color. Yeah, it's I almost like a straw. Yeah, it's got a, a just a little head on top. Pretty good. Little pretty good baby, size. little baby one. Uh, mine's a lot darker and thicker looking. Definitely. Um, probably like an orangish color, and it's got a bigger head. What does yours smell like? Uh, let me let me get a whiff, and I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Uh, it smells like a juicy West Coast hop. Okay. Um, you take take a, a sniff and see what you think. It, it smells on par with what I'd expect from a juicy West Coast hop beer. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Nothing out of the ordinary, but I'm excited to give it a try. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of nervous about trying this now. <laughs> don't be nervous. It's just It'll be okay. so weird smelling. Rest assured, everything will be okay. Yeah, I'm sure. Everything, don't be nervous. Everything will be okay in the end. Be bold. Be bold. Be courageous. Be everything that you want to be. Yes. If you dream it, you can be it. <laughs> What's that from? said that on a podcast before. It's from... Uh, Blades of Glory. Oh, yeah. Napoleon Dynamite's character says, I think something along the lines of, if you yeah. can dream it, you can be it. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's give these so a cheers. Uh, our classic American Bruise and Tunes phrase. Phrase, yeah. And then give classic it a Classic phrase. Down the hatch. Wow. Mine's super smooth. Um, I can get a little bit of that multi backbone that they were talking about in the description. Yeah. But it's not as aggressive as I was expecting a West Coast 90 IBU double IPA to hit me. Hmm. It's really smooth. It's very tasty. I, I get the hops in there, but it's not like a punch in the, in the it's palate. It's not a punch in the gut. Yeah, it's, it's really pleasant. It doesn't taste like 9% either. Wow. Maybe a little bit in the aftermath, like after you've, you've taken the sip processed it swallowed and then you're thinking about it maybe you get a little hint of booziness but it's not really up front yeah this is a really nice beer i can see why it's so highly rated on uh, beer advocate nice yeah what about yours um it is oh it's interesting it's oh it's oh interesting it uh, let me get one more taste real quick yeah go for it just uh get that uh the taste buds are whirring and working you know so it actually does taste pretty good and I think I can't really taste too much of the passion fruit, but I'm thinking that's because the lemongrass is so strong that the passion fruit is just balancing it really well. I think passion fruits, I'm, I, I'm assuming, got a little bit of a tartness also, kind of yeah. like lemon, because I've had passion teas where I think they had passion fruit, and it was it's always very tart. It's always tart. Yeah, in a good way. It tastes pretty good, though. Um, that dankness that we were smelling definitely translates into the flavor in the beer. But overall, though, it's pretty good. I can see why it has 54 IBUs as well. Would you uh, compare it to anything else, or is it kind of is it fairly unique? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, it's fairly unique in that way. Um, but it is pretty tasty, though. I'll say that. I'll give it a 3.75. Fair rating. I gave mine a 4 on our favorite uh, beer rating social app, Untapped. Yes. Yeah. Non-paid sponsorship. In fact, it's not a sponsorship at all. We just really like Untapped. Yeah. If you're looking for a, an app to keep track of the beers you've tried or see what your friends are trying, just check it out. It's called Untapped, and it's just a great app all around. It is yeah. dope. As always, if we think the beer flavor changes as it warms up to us, we will let you know. Otherwise, yes. shall we dive in? Let's. I'm going to take the lead and go with uh, with uh, Wilco's album first because I think it's pretty big. Okay. Well, it's just different, so I'm going to put this one yeah. up front. That's fine. This album came out in 2001-ish. 
ish. And I'll touch upon that <laughs> in a second. Uh, it's the fourth album to come out from Wilco. Uh, and they're a Chicago-based alternate rock alt-country band um, that kind of came from the end of another alt-country band. I don't yeah. know if you you were familiar with them, but they were, they were called Uncle Tupelo. Yeah, Tupelo. I've I've never listened to them. They but... were they were fairly popular. Um, I never listened to them either, but they they were. And their like guitar player and singer Jeff Tweedy mm-hmm. um, kind of went on, and him and some of the other members made Wilco. And I had heard uh, Tweedy's name before. Yeah, um, but I never knew what he was from or or had any idea who he was. But this is it, I guess. Yeah, he's uh, fairly popular. I mean, obviously, I've heard of him and never really listened to Wilco that much. I did, however, see Wilco live once. Really? Um, from very, very far away. It was when I had my internship in Nashville five, six years ago. Um, and Bob Dylan was playing down at the riverfront. Oh, it was right. before they had our, the amphitheater down there. Yeah. They, they set up a stage and Bob Bob Dylan played. And so me and some friends went down there. And we sat so far away outside the fence just to hear it for free. Yeah. And Wilco opened. And I don't really remember much of their set because huh. I wasn't paying attention. Interesting. Um, but... I saw him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yeah. Um, anyways, back to, to the, this album specifically. Uh, they had been signed to Reprise Records, which was a subsidiary of Warner Music Group. Uh, Warner Records, you know? Yeah. Super big record label. Um, and there was a big change in management after Warner had um, merged with AOL. Oh, okay. Um, Weird. So they... They shifted around some big management positions, and the person who was in charge, the president of Reprise, who liked Wilco, was gone. Um, oh. And some A&R guy was, I guess, in charge of, of them, and he, they weren't too keen on um, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Like, it had been recorded, and they sent it to the label for what they do, I guess. Yeah. Um, and the record label wanted Wilco to change it, or they weren't going to put it out. And Wilco's like, no, <laughs> we're not going to change it. <laughs> like, no, we like it. And so initially they were going to do a buyout program where I guess Wilco was going to pay the record label 50000 to to get the rights to the music. Oh, really? Wow. Um, but eventually the record label just gave it to them for free. So they're like, they're huh. like we're not going to put this out so you can have the right, have all the, the rights to your album for free. Goodbye. Yeah. So they didn't, they didn't want to put any, that album out or anything else in the future. Yeah, so they cut all ties with Wilco. Um, and Wilco... Well, I guess not not them, but the the songs, certain songs from the album started popping up on file sharing sites. Yeah, um, this is two thousand one, so that's like uh, what was it? Napster was real big, LimeWire, a couple other ones. Yeah, that, that was the big start of of all the file sharing and all that crazy MP three stuff. Yeah, um, and so they decided instead of people hearing crappy like diluted MP threes. Yeah. Of their songs, they just decided to put it out for free on their official website huh. uh, to stream it, and then they got tons of huge hits. And a, they wanted to release it September 11th, uh, yeah. but they didn't. They didn't, though. Yeah, um, they ended up actually releasing it. Um, I think a couple weeks later on their site, uh, and a year later, less than a year later, um, some other labels were bidding for it for distribution and uh, and and label rights. Yeah, and a label called. Nonsuch Records is the one that they they ended up going with, and what's great about it is Nonsuch Records is another subsidiary of Warner. Really? <laughs> so Warner paid for the album, <laughs> gave it back to Wilco for free, and then, and then paid Wilco it. again. <laughs> That's so pretty it's, funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, obviously, none of that was planned, but it just yeah, it's they're just like so, it's really backwards. They're like and, crap. We gave away something good. Yeah, and I mean. 
being subsidiaries, it's almost like being different companies, even though they're owned by the same company. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like how like Marvel uh, is owned by Disney, but also like other companies are owned by Disney. So it's like, yeah. like kind of like if something was moved from Marvel to what else is owned by Disney? Um, Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm or something like that. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy that that's the trajectory of this album. Yeah. Um, the album went on to peak at number 13 on the Billboard Top 200. It sold um, almost 600,000 units, which is a ton. Um, it's definitely considered like their best album, and it's been yeah. widely considered like um, like the best 500 albums of all time, best 200, whatever. However yeah, many. it's on the Rolling Stone best 500 albums yeah. of all time list or something like that. And before I go into the actual songs, um, it's inter- and one interesting thing about this is a lot of people have made correlations between this album and 9-11. Really? Uh, yes. Huh. Um, some of the, the themes in the, the songs, yeah. people have attributed to it, even though they finished this before 9-11 They finished happened. it way before, yeah. And even the cover of the the, re- the record, I don't know if you remember what it looks like. It's these yeah, two, it's a, two different towers it's, in but Chicago. But they're in Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I, which I've, I've seen them before. I think I parked in one of them, actually. Yeah. Um, but it's these two towers. I can't remember specifically where. It's like Marina, something or another. Um, but people have likened that to the two towers Interesting. on 9-11. All that was finalized before 9-11 Way happened. before. But it's there are definitely some correlations you can make, even though it's not... It's not related at all, though. Yeah. Weird. It's, it's just interesting. Yeah. Obviously, the band didn't know what was going to happen, but it's curious to think about if you're a con- yeah. conspiracy, if you're a conspiracy theorist. theorist. Yeah. Or if you just think it's interesting. But either way, let's delve in, shall we? Shall we? Track number one is called I Am Trying to Break Your Heart. And this is... Uh, Quite an intro to their sound, I guess, at yeah. least on this album. On this album, yeah. Um, it is a, I don't want to say disjointed, but it comes in with this, like, chaosy, almost seemingly unordered sounds and instrumentation that's just different. And it's just, just like... weird, it, yeah. It's out there, and then the lyrics, co- the, the verse comes in, and it starts to pull together a little bit. And as the verse progresses, the song does come together more yeah. um, until the very end when it when gets it really disjointed get, even yeah. more again yeah but uh it's it's weird it's like dizzying almost some of the sounds mm-hmm. in this this album which relate to the themes of this song yep um which uh is like it's like being drunk and lonely in a big city mm-hmm. feeling alone or lost and and that's what the singer's talking about uh after a breakup and kind of like wandering around being drunk and, and disorderly and i guess i don't i think tweedy had had, had uh, talked about having substance abuse problems and that definitely comes back a lot in this album and i think that's what he was talking about in this song Hmm. Um, it's a really cool song i gave it four out of five nice but i didn't recommend it but it's really cool way to show what their sound might be like yeah even though even though track number two is is 100 different (laughs) yeah Uh, the next song is called camera spelled with a k uh it's super straightforward melodic and it's just much more accessible like more of a mainstream sounding song yeah i guess is a way to put it yeah comes in with that drum beat um i gave it three at 3.5 out of five um it's just it's just weird that there's such a juxtaposition sound wise between yeah the first it song is and this it song. is interesting that they, that they decided to start off with that song with yeah. i am trying to break your heart but the, i think having that first and this second sets a recurring pattern which will happen again like the next song track number three is going to go back to crazy sounding and then track number four is going to be more straightforward yeah and i think they do that um probably on purpose i would assume i would assume so yeah, yeah like a mainstream sounding song and then a more experimental sounding yeah but camera track number two is definitely more 
accessible, mainstream sounding. And this song seems to be about exploring different ways to like see truth about yourself. Uh, he's talking about looking through a camera, like a different lens. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure why he chose, I don't know if it was his choice or the band's choice, why they chose to, to title the song Camera with a K. Or you, Kodak. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. There's there's obvious, obviously some reason. It's not an accident, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's an introspective song. Yeah. Um, much of this album is introspective mm-hmm. about uh, loss, regret, meaning, and, and the such. Generally so about so life. Forth. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to track number three, which is called Radio Cure. It's the only song I give five out of five, and wow. I recommended it. It's a good song. Yeah. Would you expect me to pick this one as my highest rated? Um, no. Yeah, I, I didn't think you would because it's it's out there. It's not as uh, straightforward as as most of the most of the other songs. This but, might be the uh, least straightforward song on the whole album. I think. Yeah. Um, it's slightly abstract sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, the chord choices are weird. Yep. Uh, the melodic choices are weird. Yep. Uh, it's slower <laughs> and somber. Yep. Um, but it's really cool sounding. <laughs> it's, like, it's just hard to say, but it's just, it's really cool sounding. Yeah. Um, he seems to be talking about his faults, perhaps substance abuse again, which I, I think perhaps is very strongly probably about his substance abuse. Um, but how there's these things that fill his mind, which he calls radio cure. Yeah. Like the radio, it fills my mind like a radio cure. Is that what, I think that's what he says in the chorus. Um, so that could he, Probably it could be music, um, or maybe it's hearing somebody's voice over a radio. Yeah. Uh, because later on the song, he talks about distance, which is probably my favorite line in the yeah. song. He says, oh, distance has a way of making love understand has no way of making no love way. understandable. Yeah. So I, I don't know if he's talking about being in a relationship that's long term and like having it having, being be far away rough, from them. Or if he's just using that as an abstract term to talk about not feeling a connection or having some disconnect to something you love and feeling lonely. Hmm. Um, it, it could be relationship based or it could be an abstract thing about him feeling lonely and disconnected, yeah. detached from society, detached from others maybe. Yeah. That, that's my favorite part of the song too. Yeah. Whenever like the, Oh yeah. Oh, distance has no way of making love. At the very last, understandable. Yes, the very last time he says that line, it almost sounds like he's voice like crying. Or, yeah, 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 it like sounds like even when he's doing it, not when he jumps up the octave, it sounds like his voice breaks a little bit, and it sounds really like like he's crying almost, or he's saying something like straight from the heart, and he's having a hard time saying it. Yeah, but when he jumps up that octave, it's almost a little heartbreaking to hear him say that. Yeah, like it just sounds really genuine. Yeah, and it that line goes along really well with the music at that point too, mm-hmm. or with the music of the whole song. Yeah, cool that, song. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to track number four, we're back to the more straightforward sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, this song is called "War on War," and I gave it four out of five. It's a war on war. It's a war on war. And obviously, "War on War" uh, is an anti-war statement. Pretty yeah. much, you're warring. The war. <laughs> <laughs> You're fighting against the fight. Uh, yeah. This song talks about, well, I think it talks about how you you need to, to appreciate life. And I feel like yeah. I'm pretty safe in saying that because he talks about how you need to learn how to die yeah. in order to live. If you want to be alive, yeah. Yeah, so you got to appreciate life because you know that it's going to come to an end. 
It's like that John Foreman song, Learning How to Die. It is like that song. Very much so. Similar message. Yeah. But that's all I have to say about War on War. It's catchy. Yeah. It's very, very catchy. Yep. Uh, moving on to track number five, which is called Jesus, Etc. Yep. I gave it four out of five. Um, and it was a... Ri- What's the first line of the song? It says... Uh, Jesus, don't cry. Yeah, that's right. You can't rely on me, honey. Apparently, it was originally supposed to be called Jesus, Don't Cry. Oh, really? Uh, but during one of the mixing sessions, they kept calling it Jesus, Etc. And so they stuck with that. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Um, I don't think it's... As much religiously charged as as, no. as direct hits brainless I, God, no, <laughs> <laughs> or as the title might suggest. I think it's like like using the name Jesus in that. What's the term for that? Whenever you use a name, it'd be like me saying like, "Oh, Jesus, don't cry." Not like not that the name Jesus isn't used in the as name. like um, um, I don't want to say an exclamation, but using it as a yeah interjection. Something no, like that. I don't yeah. know. But it's like, yeah. oh, it's like it's like saying, "Come on, don't cry." Yeah. But, but it, I think this is an introspective song for people in general trying to find meaning. Um, and in the bridge, I think it's tied together when he's talking about love. Yeah. Um, because that without that, the song would definitely feel incomplete. Um, and he's talking about how love is pretty much all we have to give. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's definitely searching for meaning uh, throughout the whole song, and they're talking about stars and how we're burning sons or whatever but they mm-hmm. the love um is all we have pretty much yeah uh, and i think that's a, a cool way to to take it out it sounds so catchy this song is one of the ones that people have referred to for 9-11 relations like uh oh really conspiracies because he talks about shaking towers a couple times in towers oh, yeah, he says colliding. tall buildings shake yeah and so some people have likened it to that uh, and finding meaning through that perhaps even though clearly this was written written way before and recorded way before, but wow, it's, yeah, that it's is interesting really to think about that. I didn't even think about that because the lines: tall buildings shake, voices yeah. escape, making sad, sad songs. Yeah, two two chords strummed down your cheeks, a bitter melody. Yeah, turning your orbit around. Yeah, that's really weird. When you think about that, two it, chords falling down your cheeks after talking about yeah, the two uh, so shaking towers. Yeah, weird. Clearly, he, that's not what he's talking about. But there's no way you can make connections. You if could you definitely. Want to. I mean, isn't that kind of how all conspiracies conspiracies are? Yes, people find you ways find to you find the connection that you want to make, and then you're justified because you found that connection. Yeah. But most people heard this after 9/11, and it was released after 9/11. But yeah, it was, even though they wrote and recorded it before yeah. 9/11, that's so weird. Can you imagine if they actually released it on 9/11, like uh, but well. Ben Fold's album wasn't any conspiracy theorist's no. target, but that one came out in 9-11. And it did not do Sheesh. well. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, moving on to track number six, which is Ashes of American Flags. I gave this 3.5 out of 5. And I can see how this song would be related to that, too. Yes. Um, I would like to salute. A lot of this song comes from a book American from the American flags. novelist Henry Miller's. Henry Miller? Henry Miller? Yeah, I don't know why I pluralized his last name. Henry time. Miller's? Um, but the book is called Tropic of Cancer. I've never uh, read it, but apparently Tweedy used to read this book and carry it with him for oh, years. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And there's Tro- multiple um, little bits from this song taken directly from there. Interesting. So maybe I'll check it out. I'm curious. That's pretty cool. Um, the title of this song makes me think it's going to be super political. It's not really, But it's though. not. Um, yeah. I don't think it is. Maybe there, there's some maybe politicized things in there, but it's it's really not what the title would suggest. Um, it's, again, 
more like introspective and personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's talking about him being like the person he wants to be or that he wants to be for somebody else. Um, but being super discouraged. Um, and the, the one line I really like, which doesn't necessarily relate to that theme is when he's talking about poets commenting on life. Like why would people like people listen to poets when no one gives a F that's yeah. the only swear on the whole album. When nobody gives up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, the, they don't really seem like the kind of band that would put curses into their yeah, songs. Yeah, no, whenever I first listened to this album, I was like, like, huh, interesting. Throws you off. But I mean, he picked that for a reason. Specifically, yeah. I think swear words are best used sparingly so that when you do use them, it's for a purpose and it, it makes cuts. A, a bigger impact. Yeah, because like when I heard it, I was like, oh, that's yeah. uh, I was placed there for a reason. These guys don't seem like the cursing band and there's no other curses in the rest. So when he uses it, it means something. Yeah. And that's, I really like that line. Moving on to track number seven, um, which is called Heavy Metal Drummer. I gave it 4.5 out of 5, and it's my next recommendation. Um, I know when you had uh, told me about this album, you said, you probably know this song, Heavy Metal Drummer, and you played it. Yeah. I was like, I have never heard this song in my life. Yeah, I figured that'd be the one song that you did know. Yeah, this, this because, one, because I knew it before I listened to the you, album. Yeah. Did you know Jesus, etc.? Not before. That one and this one, I think, are the two most popular based on my research. Yeah. Um, but definitely this one's a popular one. Um, I think it also might be the most different because it's the most it's like accessible the most and the most poppy. poppy. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the most poppy one. Um, it's not at all a metal sounding song. No. Um, but percussive wise, the very first like five to ten seconds is this processed hip hop sounding beat. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and then the song comes in with like the the natural acoustic drums and the rest of the instrumentation. And you're like, oh, yeah. that was just some strange choice they decided to put at the beginning. Yeah. Which I don't know why but there's got to be a reason <laughs> well i think i read somewhere that uh they had to get rid of the original drummer that they had for the album mm-hmm. because he wasn't doing the style of drumming that they want that he that jeff tweedy wanted for the yeah, album jeff, jeff tweedy had in his mind some idea of the percussion because percussion drumming that he wanted and the drummer that they had who was had been playing with them for a while couldn't figure it out and wasn't uh wasn't really willing to i don't think yeah it, maybe it caused a lot of problems and someone else that they they had uh he had played with before i can't remember his name um they brought him in and he was fantastic in the band jeff Tree's like should we make him more permanent drummer and everyone else yeah. in the band was like yes <laughs> <laughs> yes paraphrasing here guys i'm paraphrasing yeah. that didn't actually that's happen, not but how that's it actually kinda, happened yeah don't be crazy but anyways, um, this song is about reminiscing about going to, to metal shows and having yeah. fun when they were younger. Yeah. I think more specifically, he's talking about being young and innocent. Like he talks about, yeah. I miss the... When he's talking about being I innocent. I miss the innocence innocent. I've known. So I think that's what it's about. He's just picking specifically going to metal shows. Yeah. Playing um, kiss covers, that. beautiful and stoned. On Lyric Genius, some people... Like one of the big annotations on that line was he they, they thought that Jeff Tweedy was talking about going and like drinking a lot and going to watch metal bands specifically to make fun of them, but ended up having fun in in uh, the process, which I don't really think so. I think he genuine like he genuinely misses those heavy metal bands that he liked yeah. as a kid. So I don't know who made that annotation, but I disagree with it. Yeah. Which yeah, uh, I would means I don't believe everything you read kids. online. Yeah, don't believe yeah. everything you read, read online. Yeah. Or uh, I like or on, or genius, in print. the the lyric uh, site because you can get some really good insight. But 
Sometimes sometimes people are just making wrong. things up. Yeah. yeah. Every, everyone's interpreting in their own way and yeah. whoever interpreted it that way I think was wrong. I never once thought oh he's totally making fun of those metal bands. Yeah, I I thought he I was like, like really I was metal like bands. he probably like, really enjoyed going to shows and like yeah. playing covers of them. And I think it's interesting that the chorus is she fell in love with the drummer. She, she fell, fell in love with the drummer cuz I don't think that's she the point of the song. No, it's not. It's the, point of, the point of the song is not a girl who fell in love with the drummer. It's about it's him like, being younger and, and missing those days of being innocent. Yeah. But the, it's just the a, innocence of someone falling in love with a, perhaps. a musician perhaps. that they like. But it was a, a very good song. Moving on to track number eight, which is called I'm the Man Who Loves You. I gave it four out of five. I'm the man who loves you. And this sounds odd with there's a in the context of the album, not in the con kind of yes, but there's it's, a, this it's more, fuzzy guitar yeah, in the beginning more that like sounds like a classic and, rock sound. Like, yeah, it it was just when I heard that guitar tone, I was like, oh, you were like, hmm, okay, um, like it reminds me of the guitar tone on Switchfoot's song "Bull in a China Shop." Yeah, but it's this really thick fuzzy guitar tone, um, but it, it kind of goes away and then it turns into a song that. When, like when the verse comes in, I think this sounds like it could be a Beck song. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had said that before for another artist uh, on this podcast. Yeah, but, you have. Yeah. But this one definitely sounds not his voice, but just the sound of the song. And um, this one's very catchy. That's funny. Um, I think it's about loving somebody from afar because uh, he talks about wanting to write a letter, but not knowing how. And like saying, I wish I could just tell you what I, I feel and like hold your hand. Yeah. Uh, but not having the courage to do so. Yep. Uh, moving on to track number nine, which is called Pot Kettle Black. I gave this 4.5 out of 5, and it's my honorable mention. Nice. Um, the title uh, comes from the saying, Pot Calling the Kettle Black. Have you yep. ever heard that before? Yep. I'd never heard that before, but apparently it's a fairly common that's phrase. Like the, that's like the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. And pots pots and kettles are often like uh, the cast same iron. And, and black, are, so. Yeah, are often the same color. So yeah. it's a reference for someone being either ignorant. a hypocrite or, or not knowing their own... Faults. Yeah, being ignorant or, yeah, yeah, hypocritical. Yeah, but that's the theme of the song. It, he alludes to a lot of other people's faults, but then in the chorus, he talks about pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, um, so he's trying to be aware. He's like, about, actually, yeah. maybe I'm I'm at fault for the same things I'm calling other people out for. Yeah, he, he talks about he's like I don't want to be the pot calling the kettle black or whatever. Yeah. Which is a I actually like that phrase a lot. Maybe I'll use it from now on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but as soon as I heard the song the first time, I was convinced that that uh, guitar chord pattern at the beginning was from another song. Do 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 do. Like you know, do you remember how the guitar chord sounds? Uh, only one thing comes to mind, and What's it's that? a frightened rabbit song. Which one? Um, the one that goes, "You were not the cure for cancer." I oh, think yeah. it's called "Nothing Like Nothing You." Nothing like you, yeah, great song. That was I. That was my favorite song on that album that you recommended. Yep. You're right. That uh, chord progression is pretty similar to that. Bum, bum, but when I was listening to it, I kept thinking "The Cure" in between days, uh, their oh. song, and I was like, maybe it doesn't sound like that. I'm not really sure. So I typed into Google, um, "Pot Kettle Black Wilco Sounds Like." <laughs> That's all I typed in, uh-huh. and one of the first things that popped up was uh, Wilco versus The Cure. Really? Somebody else made that comparison. Interesting. Too. Um, if you listen to the two songs, it's not exact, but you can hear it's it. It's similar, though. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was funny that someone else made that connection. Also with the cure. thought yeah. the same thing. Yeah, that's pretty funny. 
moving on to track number 10, which is called Plur- uh, Poor Places. Poor Places, yeah. Um, I gave this 4.75 out of 5, and it's my last recommendation. 4.75 out of 5. Oh. Um, super cool instrumentation choices on this song. There's some weird stuff that comes in. Yeah. Um, it starts off with this keyboard-sounding drone thing. I'm not really sure. Maybe an electric keyboard that's kind of um, playing continuously um, while he starts to sing over top of it. And it, it plays for a little while, uh, and then a, a piano comes in over top of it gradually. And eventually, the piano takes over completely when the, the one line comes in. And it makes no difference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's hot. In the poor places tonight. But then the percussion cuts out and it's pretty much just piano outside. and guitar that, that uh, hold the, the, the song down. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I, I think the instrumentation and the arrangement is really cool in the song. I think that's what sold me. The melody is really cool too, but I just like how they put the song together. Um, the song ends with the music dissipating and becoming fuzzy and getting more staticky. Yeah. While you hear this voice saying, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yes, it's Yankee, a lady saying Yankee Hotel, Hotel Foxtrot. Um, and they, they illegally sampled that from somebody oh, else's. Um, I, I don't remember what the recording was, but they put it in their song without clearing any samples or anything. Uh oh. And there was a lawsuit that followed and they had to settle out of court, <laughs> um, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> if they had the label backing them at the beginning, maybe that would have been taken care of, but oh well. That's pretty funny. Uh, but I just think the way that song's put together is why I like it so much. Yeah. And the melodies. Uh, moving on to the last song, which is called Reservations. And I got reservations about this song. Uh, <laughs> I gave it two out of five. <laughs> yeah. It's my least favorite. Um, also, it's why. almost seven and a half minutes long. I wonder why it's your least favorite. That's the sound. And it's so long. Isn't it like half of it's just silence? There's half of it's some weird sounds. Yeah. Droning sounds, um, which every time they'll get to it, I skipped it. Maybe like, I this, need to listen to this. Maybe this will change your mind, Steve. What I just will? thought of this. What would you think of? What do you think? Why did they put that in, do you think? Because it's the last song and they're like, we should put something here. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Reservations. Do you know what the song's about? It's it's very upfront. It's not, not difficult to figure I've out. got reservations about so many things, but not about you. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's obviously like Not earlier in the song you. he talks to the girl and talks I'm about how the he's man got who loves you. all these faults. Uh he's he's got all these problems and he doesn't like himself, but he's got all these reservations, so me, but not about her. Let me uh present this to you or propose this to you. The whole album is a stream of consciousness. Okay. Starts off being drunk and then all the other songs that follow are like things that are going through his mind. Well, he's drunk, and then that last, those last like three minutes of nothing, he passes out. Could be, could be, because obviously that. he does talk. Uh, he, he's drunk in the city, the, in the first song, and the first song actually ends with "I'm the man who loves you." I think yeah. he says that. Um, so that's an interesting thing to say. Maybe the whole could be. Yeah, I think the whole album's connected. Definitely. That's my conspiracy theory about what that this album's about. <laughs> I don't think it's a conspiracy. It's just a, a good observation. Yeah, it could be about that. Uh, I thought this was a cool album overall. Yeah. I really um, like it. I th- I was like, okay, I like Wilco's sound, and then I, I listened to a couple of their other songs from other albums. Much different. And the other songs are much more alt-country, like yeah. Wikipedia says they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this this album was definitely a weird one for them. Yeah, it's more experimental. Yeah. Um, but it's popular for a reason. I, I think it works, their though. their breakthrough. I mean, they were popular before this album, but, but this, this one was their like, big breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked through it. the roof, yeah. 
I'm, I'm not like super keen on exploring the rest of their catalog, uh, but I might come back and revisit this. You might album. like the album. I think it's it's either called Blue Sky Blue or Sky Blue Sky. All right, I'll check that out. I do know that one of their more recent albums is called Schmilko. Yep, <laughs> Wilco Schmilko. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, so I I might check out some more of their stuff, but uh, we'll get there. Yeah, for sure. On to Direct Hits album, Brainless God. It is much different than that Wilco album. I'd say so. Uh, like we said earlier, it is a kind of hardcore melodic punk, I'd say. Well, i put pop punk in there. Pop punk, okay. We'll say pop punk. Melodic, slight touch of hardcore pop punk. Yeah, and as you can maybe guess by the title of the album, uh, the whole thing is kind of dealing with that subject about religion and about yes. how it's... Uh, how they're against it. And I believe through this album, they want other people to also kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah. And, um, and I, I don't think they're against religion. It's just their views on it. Yeah. Um, their, their lead singer, Nick Woods, I've got a quote here from him talking oh, about okay, religion. Yeah, um, so if, if any of your listeners are, are religious, I, I would identify myself as a religious person, even though I love this album. Um, don't take this as an attack on your religion. It's just their their views. Yeah. Um, but here's what Nick Woods talked about in an interview where um, where somebody's asking him about uh, his religious views. He says, I'm the product of 12 years of Catholic schools, and I have no clue whether God exists. I'm not an anti-religious person, though. You do what you got to do to fall asleep at night. I don't begrudge anyone that comfort. But don't take yourself too seriously because you don't know the answer, not to anything truly important. Hmm. That actually really uh, jives with with the, what this album is all about. I think so too. Pretty much. Like just... if actually that would be a very good way to sum up what this entire album is about. It is. Uh, so why don't we dive in? Let's. It's a concept album. Yes, also. it is a concept album. Do you know the whole concept, or do you want to touch upon so. that before diving in? I think I know what the whole concept is. Let's let's discuss that real quick before going into the okay. individual songs. So in the various tracks, he presents different, uh, let's just call them stories, I guess, with different characters in them. And <clears throat> as the album progresses, uh, it is uh, they kind of all join in, or most of them join in at a certain point. Yeah, I think they do join in. But what's the large context? What are they all experiencing? Like what's the big oh thing the, that's going okay on? yeah the over over overarching themes yes uh, the whole idea of this album is that is it a bomb yeah that's like exploding the earth or is it like human caused or something like that or is yeah, it just so there's, like there's nuclear war and people are aware that the bombs are about to be dropped yeah and they some people it says that they have like minute to ten or so or some people have like an hour or something like that and yeah. So it's basically about what these different characters are doing in those last minutes of their life, basically. And so it brings in a lot of uh, themes of what happens after death, what life is really about, what's worth doing, etc., etc. Etc., etc. And so the first song is called On and On. And it has, uh, what's, that, what's that melody that they use in here? Auld Lang Syne. Well, how do you say it? Auld Lang Syne. Auld Lang Syne? Yeah, I'm sure there might be an actual way to pronounce it. Auld Lang Syne. How does that go again? 
Should all acquaintance be forgot in days of old That's old Lang Syne. Yeah. So that uh, melody reoccurs throughout the album. Yeah. Pops up a, Pops up times. a couple times, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, on to the, uh, the first track called On and On. Um, so it has that beginning part where they use the old Anxine melody, and then it kind of like breaks, and then we get the trademark direct hit uh, little thing that they do at, at the beginning of every album, where he screams in the background, F you, get pumped! <laughs> and then the music starts again. Yeah. And um, that happens on every single album they do, right? Yep, that's yeah. uh, always it's, usually on the first track. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, and I think this song is basically about how life's just a tale of death. Yeah. Pretty and much. It, it, it introduces the and whole it goes album. On and on talking and about on how the president on. went on TV and said the bomb. Like, the I bomb's apologize, coming. but the bomb's coming. Yeah. And like, then resigned. Goodbye, everybody. I'm mm-hmm. not president anymore. And then talks about how, how life's a party. Yeah. When we're all going to die. Yeah. Um, on to track number two. Uh, it's called The World is Ending. In parentheses, no one cares. <laughs> uh, and just correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this th- this song is from the point of view of a religious person telling everybody that who's not religious that they're all screwed. Yes, pretty much. Then you can change your you, you should like, change your ways. Change your ways. We're about to die. Change your ways. Yeah. So like that's otherwise you're going to hell. Yeah, like that. So that they present that point of view right after they learn about the bomb. Uh, a very catchy chorus, uh, very poppy, uh, and the verses are a little bit more screamy. Yes, they are. Um, I don't really mind his scream as much of as much as other people's. His actually his doesn't sound like the proper way to scream. Like you know, yeah. like when you listen to like hardcore, like heavy bands, and they yeah, like scream properly, quote unquote, and it's right. it's unappealing to me usually. Um, but his is is I like his. Yeah, same here. Um, but anyway, so I guess just try to keep that in mind. So the the uh, the title the, the title of that track, "The World Is Ending," in parentheses, no one cares, is like someone's view who is religious. Like, oh, yeah. the world's ending, and nobody really cares. Nobody nobody cares to change their ways. Yeah, basically. Uh, on to track number three, which is my first recommendation. It's called Buried Alive. Might, might be one of my favorite of their songs in general. It's a very good song. It's a very poppy song, really cheerful so- sounding song about a not so cheerful subject. It's really dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here we see one of the characters that he presents uh, in the album, uh, who is a serial killer. Yep. He uh, um, kidnaps women and kills them. Yes, he does. And then like keeps them. Parts of them. Kind of parts of them. Or pictures as a trophy. Yeah. Uh, But this is a little bit different, though, because the world is ending. He's got his last victim. He's got his last victim. Yeah. And, like, one of the lines is, like, he doesn't have to worry about the cops anymore. Mm -hmm. So, like, this is, like, a new experience for him or whatever. And it's, like... But it takes a turn. It does take a turn for the better. I'd say so. I'd say so. He's, like, maybe I don't want to kill you. Yeah. They fall in love, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, and it's they enjoy the last sunset together. Yeah, they sit out and enjoy the last sunset before they're destroyed. Yeah. Um, I like that song though. I do it's too. Super, it's super, super catchy. good. On to the next song. We. Oui. 
Track number four, getting what he asked for. Uh, so this is another another new character. Uh, it's a woman who is in a relationship with a guy who's I'm assuming is like either emotionally or physically abusive to her. One like it's, other, it's yeah. not a healthy relationship, and she's like put up with it for twenty years. Definitely. And now that she knows the world is ending, she decides to kill him. I think she says much. he doesn't deserve to see the end. Yeah, he was like, I don't want him to see the end of the world. So she controls his end. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, very catchy song, though. It's violent. Um, and it kind of raises the question that maybe I think they're trying to raise is that maybe she should have stood up sooner. She, she probably shouldn't, definitely shouldn't have. have waited till the end of the world to confront him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that's a that's a great song. And I guess I should say, all the songs kind of sound similar. I think not many of them sound like drastically different. And a lot of them are in the same key. Yeah. Um, if you listen to that, a lot of them are in the same key. And I think that was intentional because it's very much an intentional concept album. Yeah. And I think that was the goal. Similar melodies, similar keys to kind of help everything flow together. Yeah. It's a huge ambitious thing to make a concept album like this. Yeah. And I think it works. I do too. Um, on to the next song. Uh, track number five, which is called White Robes, and it's my second recommendation. Good choice. It's a very good song. Uh, it's the story of a cult leader gathering all of his followers to go kill themselves in the woods <laughs> before, as the world explodes so they can become neurons or particles or whatever and go up into the atmosphere. Which reminds me of uh, Heaven's Gate. I don't know if you... Yeah, the was, Heaven's Gate. Is it? It's a cult, right? Heaven's it was a cult, cult that they all killed themselves so that they could get on the Hale-Bopp comet as it passed Earth or something weird. Yeah, something crazy like that. Uh, cults are just... Uh, They're strange. That's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll let someone else deal with that. Yeah. Uh, and then we come to track number six, which is this the end of the A-side? I believe so. Uh, the song is called Heaven is a Black Hole. Because it, end, it ends with... The main theme, the Auld Lang Syne theme, right? Yeah. yeah. And this is also not a story one. Correct. I think this is kind of the band kind of giving their take on, uh, I guess, I guess their views of religion. Mm-hmm. And they want uh, people to accept that, like, heaven is a black hole. Like, they, as in the concept of heaven or whatever, is a not something that one should think about because we don't know because no one has because like you we can't know what happens after someone dies yeah, you can't prove essentially it. is what they're saying like yeah. we they're not just saying like uh like they're not being aggressive about it I'm not saying it doesn't exist they're just saying they're just saying we shouldn't worry a whole lot about it right now because we don't know as i think kind of what the message is saying i think that's their yeah what they're saying yeah yeah and that it's kind of like that quote that you read um but anyway that song is also very good uh and then yeah like you said it goes back to the recall to the old anxiety at the mm-hmm. end of that to end out the a side and then it moves to the b side and it starts with a bang it does start with the bang uh the song is called we're we're after we're after yeah the f word <laughs> Uh, oh man And I'm kind of confused about what this song's about I think it's about people who were in purgatory And then they came back to earth Because they had like committed suicide And it turns out like that wasn't the right way to die or something Yeah, I, I think it's people guiding other people to In the afterlife 
Okay. And trying to help them avoid the same horrors. Like it, it gets some, there's some graphic this, ways that they describe it. Like, we'll pluck out your eyes so you can't see the end. Yeah. We'll box out your ears so you can't hear the end. Like weird things like that. Yeah. The whole, the whole last part of this album, the concept kind of gets confusing. Like the first part, the first half on the A side, it was all very simple. Like here's a character and their story. Here's a character and their yeah. story. And then it, it, this is where it starts to get a little bit more abstract. Yeah. A little bit more abstract and muddled. Uh, but I like that song though. Um, and whenever, whenever I was looking at the lyrics to this song, I was like, how do they come up with the, like this idea for this song? I don't know, man. It was just so ridiculous. Um, on to track number eight, which is a little bit more straightforward. Uh, we see some characters from the previous songs. Uh, they get to the pearly gates. What is the song called? Uh, Bank of Elevators. Yes. Uh, so they get to the pearly gates. Uh, which would be... Where you are admitted to heaven. Yeah, where you meet St. Peter or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if Even that's, a, that's that, not really in the Bible. That's just a... No, that's just a classic... Um, idea. Trope that yeah. people use to describe heaven. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what they're referring to. Like the there. Simpsons. If you've ever seen a Simpsons episode with God in it, he's like a big bald dude with a beard and there's like a golden gate. Is this the song where they're talking about like taking a number, getting in line? Um, yes. Yeah. And if you have a complaint, it might take a, it might take centuries yeah. to hear to let for God to hear whatever. You think you're in the wrong whatever. place, or if you need to, yeah. yeah. Uh, so like the people, the characters reach the pearly gates, and they're like, and Saint Peter's like, oh, just got this message, and you're actually not allowed in because you did this in life or something like that. Nope. And then S- they side, side note, yeah. I, when you were referring to that, you said, oh, heard that uh, message. I've heard it often said that people, I, and I say it too, oh, or yeah. like that, like a, when someone like, oh, rushes past you and you might almost bump into someone like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I've heard that oh is definitely a Midwestern thing. Yep. Um, you say that all, I say that all the time. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to say that because I heard you say, oh, <laughs> I say it from time to time, but uh, I think Midwesterners say it a lot. It rolled off the tongue naturally. Minnesotans and Minnesotans and Iowans and Wisconsinites and Dakotans. Wisconsin? Wisconsinners? Wisconsin's. Wisconsin. <laughs> but yeah, it's a Midwestern Wisconsiners. thing. For sure. Cheeseheads is what yeah. we call them. Sorry to interject, but I had to. Sorry. Sorry. Anyway, uh, I think I'm getting this right. Uh, they can either like accept their fate or they, they can they go, go or they can go put in a put in a, a number or something like that, or they can do something else that'll be more file a grievance or a complaint. Yeah, that'll be like more arduous than just accepting your fate so i don't know it's a this is where it gets kind of muddled because there's now they're talking about what like talking about heaven yeah like what heaven would be like Mm -hmm. but since we you can't really know they also say you can't really know so i'm like well they're they're going based on they're just going based on people's conceptions of heaven and and, uh, what, what you'd expect pop culture to say heaven is gotcha I suppose that does make sense. Uh, on a track number nine, which is called Back to the Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, also not exactly sure what this is about. Two characters meet who they were, they knew each other in life, I think. I think so. I think it's two people who decided that they need to get out of there. Get out of heaven. Back to the towers, maybe back to, go back to Earth something else or somewhere else i think yeah. that's what they they agree that they shouldn't be there and they're trying to get out yeah um 
Otherwise, I don't really have anything else to say about that one. It's super catchy. Yeah. <laughs> Every song. <laughs> I mean, most of the songs in here are catchy. Uh, I think this one is one of my, I wouldn't say one of my favorites, but it's it's just it's, it's up, up there, there. catchy-wise, yeah. Yeah. Um, on to track number 10. It's called I Told You a Lie. And I believe the cult leader comes back in here. And yes. he essentially says that I lied to you because I was trying to make sense out of life and I was using like fucking power. Yeah, I was I using that. I, I robbed you of your chance to experience or, or think for yourself. Yeah. I really like the first the first line. It's kind of awkward to admit that I've been less than forthright when I implied that I was ready to die. Yeah. Because he made everyone else follow him. Yeah. Even yeah. though they, they weren't thinking for themselves. What a strange like thing perspective to write from. Yeah, I know. All, all this albums we like. Yeah, like I I don't think I would have ever thought to write an album would've. like this. I I guarantee I never would have. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, track number eleven this is called "Home to You." Penultimate track. Yes. Last? Yeah. And this is my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Uh. So this is, remember earlier when I said someone maybe had an hour? Yeah. This guy, I think he's a guy in prison. Yes. And he hears over like the speaker system in the prison like, oh, there's a bomb coming. We've got about an hour left to live. Oh, there's a bomb coming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oops. Yeah. So Uh, they let the prisoners go. Yeah. So he's like, and then he talks about like, so whenever I heard that, I just started like trying to get back to you to see you one last time. To see so his I love. assume, yeah, see his love one last time. This reminds me of Stephen King's book, The Stand. Oh, really? Uh, some of the main characters were, uh, do you know the, the premise of that book? Not really, no. There's, the government had created a super flu, a weaponized super flu, and somehow it gets out and infects. Whoa. Probably kills like 99% of the population. There's some people left that were, wow. had an immunity. Um, and there's one of the main characters was locked in a prison, uh, and everyone else had died, and he was just in prison by he himself. Was there, and oh one of the dark characters, the bad guy, kind of lets him out and takes him on as a follower. So that's 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 what I think of when I hear this song. Huh. Even though the guards, um, in, even though in the song let the prisoner out, but it's yeah. just like in the end of the world situation, what do they do with prisoners? You know, right. It's, it's an yeah, odd yeah, yeah. That thing. makes sense. It's an yeah, interesting like, conception. It's like, you guys are free. Yeah. You guys got an hour of freedom. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he. Uh, He's on his way back to meet his love, but he does not make it. Uh, at the end of the song, you hear a big boom. Are you sure he doesn't make it with just a few seconds to spare? No, I'm fairly, fairly, fairly certain sure. he I doesn't. Could, I couldn't remember. I can look up the lyrics real quick, though. Yeah, here we go. So uh, during the chorus, the chorus changes slightly from the first time that you hear it to the last time that you hear it. Uh-huh. Uh, the first time, one of the lines is, Nothing mattered more, two, three, four, wouldn't have crossed my mind. Oh, sh- I think we better check the time. Cause, uh, and be- before that, he says, or the chorus says, Because if I only got to see you for a minute or two, well, it would be worth it. Well, it would all be worth my time. But in the end, doesn't he say it was, it was all worth my time? It all was worth my time? At the end, he said... Oh yeah, because I only got to see you for a minute or two, but it was all it was worth my time. Nothing mattered more. Two, three, four wouldn't have crossed my mind. Oh, sh- I think we just ran out of time. So <laughs> he gets back, sees his love for a minute or two, and then they die. And then they die. Yep. And then it goes on 
so again, that was my honorable mention. Uh, and then it goes on to the last track uh, called A Message for the Angels Part 2, in parentheses, Brainless God. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where everything comes to a head. Yeah, people... Uh, he says, like, demons are at the gate gates of heaven, but... I think I assume that means like everybody. When those died. two characters had left, I think they went to go recruit the rest of the characters. Oh, okay. Remember those two characters at the the, uh, um, the oh, going back yeah. to the towers. I think yeah. they went to go recruit people that uh, disenfranchised, maybe disillusioned yeah. people. Yeah, other characters. And basically, they get to the gates of heaven. And they're like, hey, we want to know, like, why this is so messed up. Like, all, why, the, all the existential questions. Yeah, like, why did you let this happen? Like, how could you do this, God? Like, we want an answer, basically. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to give us one, then prepare for a fight, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and that's the uh, probably the biggest theme, probably their biggest views on the, yeah. the song. Yeah. The whole album. It, yeah, and why, then, how could, how sure could things happened. on Earth get so crappy? Like, if you think about all the... All the different stories that they presented. Yeah. Like, how could that even be possible if, you know, that's what they say, brainless God. Yeah. Um, and then it goes back to old Angzine. Old Angzine. And then eventually they just get back to that main point of life's a story about death. So let's have a good time and party. Yeah. Pretty much. What a crazy album. Crazy. Uh, it, it's all, it's a weird narrative and a crazy story to express the ideas they have about religion and existence yeah which again like aren't aggressive towards religion at all, not at all it can be perceived as 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 it if you it's, it can be but it's more i think I mean, if you listen to that that quote that i said from him it yeah. encompasses their views and and should disarm you a little bit maybe yeah hopefully it would anyway yeah. but it's an interesting thing to listen to nonetheless yeah and it's very catchy. It's a great album. Super yeah. catchy. Awesome. Um, looking towards the future, yes. um, next week we're going to do another one-off, as we always like to flip-flop uh, each week. And we are going to be reviewing the classic Led Zeppelin album, which is Led Zeppelin IV, uh, sometimes I think known as Zoso. Zozo. But it's a great I album, so we will, we'll be reviewing that for you all. Yes. And the following week we will have another regular format episode. Um, and do you have a recommendation, Jesse? I sure do. What is it? It is an album by the band Management, or better better known as MGMT. Is that short for Management? I don't know. That's what I think of. (laughs) I just always know MGMT. I'm like, that's a strange title. MGMT, okay. And the album is called Oracular Spectacular. Well, that's uh, definitely a title. (laughs) O-R-A-C-U-L-A-R? Oracular, right? Something. I don't know. Maybe. But that's right. what it's called. Okay, well, I'll, I guess I'll start listening to that. Yeah. And uh, what I'm going to recommend is an album by the band A Wilhelm Scream. Okay. And it is my favorite album by them called Career Suicide. Career Suicide. Just a heads up, when they wrote this album, they decided they wanted to make every single song fast. Really? So that's what you have to look forward to. Nice. I like fast songs. Yeah. Anything else to say before we, uh, we sign off? How's your uh, beer as it warmed up? Um, you know, it's actually still good. Yeah, mine's still pretty good. Uh, the hops came forward, forward a little bit more. Came forward a little bit. Um, the booziness didn't really come forward. I thought it might have as it warmed up, but it really hasn't. Um, it's this is a very pleasant, like I said, smooth, very drinkable double IPA. Nice. I'm very happy with this. I would have it again. Yeah, I'm happy with this too. And actually, the flavors are kind of nice. Yeah. It's a little bit tart, 
but just tart enough to where you just get a little bit of tartness and not too much. You know what I mean? It's I, good. I'd like to keep an eye out for this uh, clown shoes. They've got some different variations. Like uh, when oh, I purchased this one, they had the a cake. pineapple space cake, oh. which kind of cool to, t- to try if I can find yeah, it. For sure. Um, but uh, let's say we give it the uh, magic phrase and finish our brews. Sounds like a plan. Shibbity people Wow, well, thanks again, everybody. Yep, thanks for listening. My name is Stephen Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. And this has been episode number 60 of American Brew Number 60. And Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song. Just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity be